Welcome to the NR Experience, a podcast wherein we talk about anything and everything in, in our experience. experience. My name is Nathania, and I'm Regis. On today's episode, we talk about being a material girl. We examine our personal relationship with fashion, style, material possessions, wealth, and capital. So for today's episode, I think we've noticed a lot about how fast fashion and trends have been moving, especially because of social media. So I think it's worth, I think we have a lot, both of us have a lot of thoughts on trends, the material cycle, the life cycle of items, and basically just our personal relationship to wealth and capital even. So I think that's very exciting for us. I mean, the the song Material Girl, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a theme song for more for you than me, yeah. but I think it's interesting for us to talk about today. And and not not just you and me, but you know, I think all around um, the world, uh, right? Because, I mean, yeah, material. Uh, what what does it mean to have material? What does it mean to have some form of material? Yeah. Um, is this material exotic? Yeah. Um, is this material available to everyone? Is this available only to some people? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can explore that relationship not just in terms of fabric, but in terms of other material items as well, like mm-hmm. our cell phones or notebooks. Yeah. Um, and I, I think on this particular episode, we can begin with that, I guess. Yeah. Like, what's a shopping experience for you? Like, what, What's your shopping style? How do you decide, I like this item, I'm going to get it? It brings me back to the story about my younger years when I had little to no authority about the clothing that I had. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the earliest signs of that was uh, my mom bought me these specific Nike Prestos. Um, I don't know if you know that, but we'll pop that there. That's what it looked like. And it was blue and green. So it was a loud blue and green color. And during that time I was a kid, I had no idea that Nike was cool. I had no idea that it was expensive. I just saw it and it was ugly to me. Yeah. I, I didn't find it nice. I didn't find it looking beautiful. And I hated it. Every time my parents or anybody wanted to wear those shoes on me, I would get angry. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, like 15, 20 years later on, I find out that the Prestos are like a classic of Nike and that to have one, to wear one. In fact, it was even, a status I had one in university. I had one and yeah. I was cool because of that. Um, and I guess that was my first uh, idea when it came to like shopping. Mm-hmm. I just knew when, when I liked something, that's when I wanted to get it. Okay. At least at a young age. Yeah. What about you? No, I mean, for me, it's so weird because growing up, I had zero sense of style. I mean, like until now, I kind of struggle with choosing what I okay. want. Like I always text you guys, guys, A or B, yellow or red, blue or pink or something. Because I cannot decide. Like, it's so hard for me with clothes. And I find myself pretty indecisive about a lot of those things. Because growing up, I didn't know what looked good on me. Like, I know now that I like short dresses. I like, you know, cute pastel colors. But... I everything my mom picked out for me. So it's always like, okay, um, we'll go shopping. She'll be like, wear this, this and that. Done. Like even when I was becoming like a little older as a teenager, I would, you know, slowly pick off things off the shelf and she'll tell me like, no, choose this instead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This instead. Like, no, you look fat in that. No, this instead. So, okay. Like I've completely outsourced my sense of um, style to other people. So, you know, like until now, I feel like friends are the better 
like yeah. I, I just value your opinion more than mine. Like I yeah. can barely put an outfit together. Yeah. It's really, really tough for me. I think for again, for as long as I can remember, I had been the type to choose. Yeah. So I like this one, I like that one. This t-shirt, yeah. these that pair of shorts. And um I think growing up also, like in, in high school, became an exploration. Yeah. Um, of these uh, things. So I remember specifically in the seventh grade, so pre-high school, um, Air Jordans were in fashion. Air Jordans are never out of fashion. Uh, we can talk about this now. We'll drop this episode. It'll be in fashion. In 20 years, it yeah. will still be fashion. But I had an obsession for high-cut Nike Air Jordans. I don't play basketball. <laughs> and it was just a thing. Everybody had it. Yeah, everybody had yeah, it in different, yeah. in different kinds of colors. And I wanted to be seen wearing mm. Nike Air, Jordan, Air Jordans that were high cut. Um, yeah, and I don't know. Again, I, I don't think it's ever been an issue with, with me to choose. And of course, like the experiences I've had um, and, the, you know, anything else I've been exposed to online or in person... Um, has influenced like the way I make my stylistic decisions, if yeah. that makes sense. No, I mean for me, what what was been what has been fun in Barcelona was living together. Because then you chose things off literally. Picking. I was choosing. Yeah, we were so we were playing. It was essentially a paper. Like Nathania was my paper doll. Yeah. Except she was real life, and there were real clothes, and <laughs> she would just try them on, and you know yeah. it would be th this thing that we do where she try on different types of yeah, outfits. Yeah, no, it's fun. Like, I, and I enjoyed because then you're making the decisions for me. I'm not choosing. Like, and you, it's every gay boy dream. <laughs> it's every gay boy's dream come true. Um, and I mean, luckily for me, growing up, I had like a niece and I had some sisters, yeah. so I styled them. Yeah. But. No, yes. I mean for me, it's it's now the straight girl fantasy of being styled yeah. by some gay man because yeah. then they elevate your taste. I mean, of course, drawing back to the whole cliche of a gay man being stylish, but you embraced it. Yeah. You were the cliche. No, that's true. Like I, I, I feel like, to be completely honest, if I were ever um, in an in a season or yeah. an episode of Queer Eye, if I was cast, yeah. I would not mind receiving the fashion end of things. Exactly. Um, and I think it's because also, um, I, a lot of my fashion choices have been influenced by the way my body looked. Um, okay. And I think it was also a self-image kind of thing. Like, for example... Um, all throughout these years, whenever I'd feel a little bit heavier on the weighing scale, yeah. aka right now, I'm wearing all black. Because I know that, you know, black as a color can help shape okay. you better yeah. um, and not make you look uh, bigger than you yeah. are or bigger than you seem. And I think that whole illusion game to me was interesting. Perhaps as well, the, you know, the high cut Jordans were yeah. also an indicator that I wanted to look maybe a little bit taller because my friends were, in, were playing basketball. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, you know it's, it, it's really been a ride, I would say, like... No, I'm realizing now for me, and it's just hitting me now, that the past two years was also shaped sort of by my weight. Mm -hmm. So, um, maybe two years ago, I was sort of at my heaviest ever. I mean, I was still dressing pretty normal, but of course, you have to buy new things for your new body shape, style, whatever. Um, but... Yeah, the hotter I got, the hotter my clothes were, the more I feel like... And this is something I like about having hit 30, is I feel like I'm very happy with my curves. Yeah. Like, I have not reached this level of body positivity in my whole life ever until yeah. now. And it's also... 
reflected in what I wear. Like, I feel like I'm a better dresser somewhat now. I mean, you've seen through the years. So I feel like more the past two years has been a lot better for me because I feel confident in my body. Yes. No, and I, I think most importantly also, you were already given and you found the tools to mm -hmm. really experiment with your style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean money. Money as a... No, like, I mean yeah, exactly. money for sure. But, yeah. you know, even to experiment with style because... Uh, it's honestly true that style does not have to be expensive. Um, that's why fast fashion is all the rage. Unfortunately, that's yeah. why Zara exists. That's why she no, exists. So, it's so crazy that for me, my experience of with fast fashion is, I'm I was a Shein girl. Like, I, I have to. I have and to no, admit, no, yeah. but uh, again, there's no judgment in that because uh, at the end of the day, it's also well. First of all, it's an access issue. It's an yeah. issue of resource. But secondly, um, what turned the entire thing over its head for me was my professor actually in business school in Spain um, who studied, she had a PhD in fashion. Yeah. Um, and I, I had this whole aura of superiority thinking that because some of my clothes were more expensive than others, then what I was doing was more sustainable. Yeah. Um, and my professor flat out denied that. And my professor was literally like, if you think that certain expensive luxury brands pay better or that no slavery is involved that or is that true. the supply chain is clean just because you're paying 500 euros for a shirt and not 10, then you're wrong. Yeah. And I think that's what completely changed my idea about it as well. That just because you're buying expensive does not make you a conscious yeah. buyer. No, I mean, what's, what's funny is because I'm, I, I teach sustainability and CSR and there's always that tension with me. How could I be teaching sustainability and wearing H&M in class? Like, I felt very guilty about that. I, there was really literally one day where I walked into class and a student was wearing the same H&M sweater. Except mine was just like... You know, all gutai gutai, like humul mul name tela. And I, I just it's basically remember, a worn out sweater. Yeah, yeah, like it was peeling already. And I was just really thinking, like, you know, but this was what I could afford at the time. But then on the other hand, you know, studying more the, the supply chain of these of these brands, it's now we've now gotten to a point wherein if something goes viral yesterday like yesterday, um either a TikTok of a thrift find or something, something so special, the next day it's already on Sheen's website. Yeah. Like that's how quickly they can mimic and that's why we have to be conscious of this, yes. this push. This yeah. push for us, no, we need to update our wardrobe. We need, like, I, that's, that's for me now building a wardrobe. You know, the whole capsule thing. Like I'm still struggling with that because to, to I like new things. Wardrobe. I like new yeah. dresses. I like, I mean... It goes back to the feeling of consciousness of, oh my God, my friend saw me in this dress already. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I think I've become, ever since I moved to Europe, I became very comfortable with the, with the idea of capsule. Just because, yeah, you, you basically live in your uh, suitcases. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really happen often, but you know, if you need to move flats. We've if moved you, around a lot, both If of you us. need to move to other countries. So I've, I've come to realize. Even back home in Manila, yeah. I had a uniform. The uniform in Manila was shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. Every day. It, they were just different colors, but it was shorts, t-shirt, shoes. Yeah. Um, in the same way that here, it changes to pants when it's uh, winter and fall. And when yeah. it's spring and summer again, it's back to the shorts. So I, I have no issues with uniform. I think my personal style is perceived by people because they can see patterns and they can okay. see uniform. 
Oh, like, so it's a it's a branding yes, thing. It's like you're yes. making your mark there yeah. for people specifically so, remember. So you basically, for example, I think one of the fashion houses that I swear by particularly is Prada. Okay. Um, because Mucha Prada, in her idea of interpreting femininity, again, her background being a former member of the Communist Party um, in Italy and suddenly having to, you know, take the reins in this billion-dollar luxury yeah. clothing business. And um, Mucha Prada's biggest point is uniform. What do these uniforms mean? Staples. Yeah, what do these mean? And what do these mean when we put them into a female body? What does it mean in terms of silhouette? And there's a uniform. So when you see something, you'll see, oh, that's Prada. I'm that's realizing Prada now, is. like, Prada does have the utility shirt it's, it's kind of vibe. It, it's really utilitarian. Okay. Even the nylon, um, the nylon oh. that was created was utilitarian. Because okay. Mucha Prada was saying, why are all of these luxury bags leather? And can we make a luxury bag that isn't leather? But can we make a luxury bag that will last okay. and, and stand the test of time yeah and what was the uh the material the material was nylon and nylon was used during the war because it was an easy material to work with because it doesn't really break easily yeah and she made it luxurious oh so you know i i, I think that's uh that's interesting yeah I, I think what i pick up from that is the sense of how a historical context shapes the material context. Oh, like, for sure. Like this back and forth for that sure. interplay. I mean, I mean what, what do you think now about like now that things are, we're, some, some are saying we're in a re recession, things are getting difficult again. How do you think that's shaping? Sort it's of manifested? We, yeah. Um, you can already see it. Uh, so th the last fall winter fashion cycle that just came out, um, Logo Mania first is gone. Okay. Like, Logo Mania is gone. I'm glad. I looks. hated that. <laughs> um, no, because uh, yeah. Yeah, Logo Mania was a display of success. And it was a, a display I of I made growth. it, yeah. It's, it's your status yes. item. Therefore, it's if it's not an obviously Louis Vuitton, why would I get or it? Or if it's not no obviously clear. Balenciaga. Yeah. But now, because of the recession and um, all these things, um, it's manifested. It, do it does look bad now if you, you know, your colleagues are talking about getting laid off and you come to come to work in your fucking Prada or like Louis Vuitton. I'm gonna exactly. fucking hate you. Like exactly. you're awful. Exactly. Okay. So people, the, the the luxury fashion industry is recession proofing itself. It's going quiet. Going more quiet, Subtle. more muted. Yeah. Like and uh -huh. uh, I, I don't know if you've been able to see red carpet appearances now. You know, yeah. usually. Right, you're decked in Bulgari, yeah. Van Cleef, like, I don't know, it's probably like a 5 million euro earring on your left and an, another one. So it's a lot one. less now. Um, people aren't, uh, especially women, yeah. and if you look at the styles and you look at the stylists and the looks, there isn't much jewelry. Yeah. No, I mean, for me, Because it's difficult to, yeah, again, like, why will you flaunt? Yeah. At a time of crisis. No, I mean, that's one thing for me that I've sort of felt differently compared to other girls, but... Um, jewelry. So as you've noticed, all I wear are my pearl earrings, like that. And then now in the past year, I've added the end necklace, right? So these are the two, th two, three things that I own. And I, it's so hard for me to buy anything flashy for yes. jewelry because I, I, I would feel bad. Like just the idea also of losing it. So all my pearl earrings, maximum 200 pesos, like four euros. And if I lose it, okay, I'm going to feel fine, right? It's not going to, it's not going to break my heart. I mean, there is some sentimental value in this end necklace just because yeah. my mom picked it out. But other than that, it's not super valuable. It's not valuable. Yeah. Um, I, I think the idea of jewelry, especially mm -hmm. fine jewelry, high jewelry, expensive jewelry, is at least in you know from my understanding and my viewpoint and how I grew up, it always 
um, depicted air. No, I mean, now that all our friends are getting engaged, married, whatever, um, when I think of mine, fingers crossed, right, <laughs> that someone proposes to me one day, right? Yeah. I, I don't feel comfortable anymore with the idea of an expensive diamond ring or an engagement ring or whatever. Like, for me, honestly, now that there's the whole idea of lab-grown diamonds, why would you want your diamond mined by a slave? Like, what is the special... I mean, no, okay. So, I, I, I understand where yeah. you're coming from. But the thing is... I am sure that people are getting the thrill not because it was mined by a slave. But because it's expensive. But no, but because of the fact that that rock has been there before anybody mm -hmm. has existed. And I think that's why the value, the perceived value perceived of it value, yeah. is insane. Because yeah. to me, it's like, wow. Yeah. This Versus rock, my perception yeah. supply chain. This rock yeah. that was... In the Earth's crust the for earth, how, how many for thousands how long of years. Everybody wasn't alive then. Yeah. And now it's mine because someone professed their love to me. Yeah. I, no, I think, mean, the whole marketing campaign, right? Yeah. Of like the, the tying engagement rings with the idea of one true love, eternity, everlasting <coughs> love. It's a marketing campaign yeah. from back then with the whole De Beers leading that Yes, movement. exactly, exactly. Um, and I mean, I've talked about this in again, class. Again, it's a created commodity. Yeah, like, it's again, a it's a fucking rock. Like, what makes a rock have this value when it's, yeah. it's psychological, it's all these emotional attachments that we have with yeah. them versus me i just i just never had that with jewelry like i like pearls because i don't know it makes me look a certain way but then anything else it's just kind I, of hard to get into i it. i really am not gonna lie yeah uh, the only reason why i don't have jewelry right now is because <laughs> the jewelry i want i cannot afford yeah yeah but if you had them, when there comes a time that yeah. I can afford, best believe there will be yeah. something. Okay. It's not something to be worn every day. I still see it as an heirloom thing. Yeah. This is gonna go to somebody else. But yeah. uh, like speaking, yeah, speaking of that idea, I, I guess I just wanted to ask because I also wanted yeah. to share. What was your first idea that an item was a luxury item? Like when was that awakening that? a certain item held more value compared to something else? I think for me, it started more in high school, maybe. I think more of the... Because when I was in grade school, that was when the Nokia's, Nokia phones huh. were happening. Like, really. Like and the, every, every quarter, there was a new Nokia yeah, cell phone. So, for our viewers watching or listening that have no idea, phones looked differently before. Exactly. I mean, just... It was a personality. Each phone had a personality. Mine was purple. Yeah, mine was purple until like... And there, the... was cert there were certain functionalities like, oh, this phone, it, and you can play music more. Yeah. This phone, you can take videos. Exactly. So I think it, it, the, it puts that hierarchy in, in an all-girls school. Yeah. We're not allowed that you to had use... That you had a good phone. You had a good phone, right? We're not allowed to use our phones in school, but afterwards, at the end of the day, when you call your sundor, yes. your, your family to fetch you, then that's when you know whose yes. phone is, is what, what model. Show of hands, BlackBerry owner. Former yeah. BlackBerry owners. I went to university <laughs> with, with a, a BlackBerry. BlackBerry. BlackBerry messenger girl. Like, that one was BBM such pin. a... That was such a fun thing. And I remember it only happened and you were part. For, you were part of an exclusive exclusive club because texting had a certain rate i mean they uh, developed by the time i was in university only text like that was B already bbm yeah for um i messaged to run exactly so i remember i had blackberry in the first 
and second year of university already. I just want to clarify, I just realized this video might be taken out of context. So, BBM, Blackberry Messenger. Messenger yeah, yes. the nice of Blackberry yes, Messenger. Yes, Blackberry Messenger. <laughs> Wala pong ibang BBM dito. Okay, so go on. So, so the BBM that we know... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we just gotta be it sure. Was, it was useful, it was effective, it was for all people. <laughs> it was for all, well, no. Well, no, it wasn't. No, it, it was wasn't still for a all status people. thing, yeah. yeah. No, but I, I had my BBM for one or two years. And then suddenly, iPhone started happening. And then you started to realize your credibility. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, everyone was moving to iPhone and I was like, oh no, I'm still holding everyone on to my... Everyone was playing yeah. Fruit Ninja. Yeah, yeah. And then that's when I moved to Samsung. So I think most of oh, my... Oh, because you're different. Yeah, I'm different. That. Exactly. Like, I my, I was such a contrarian that I was like, oh, what are, what's everyone here with their iPhones? No, I'm going to be different. Like, even with the iPod in, in grade school and high school, I remember I got the iPod video. Like, the one of the most useless ones. It was the I early love, iPod, I, I, video. I, iPod video. iPod video, 30 a, gig. It was one of them that, that was only there for such a short time. But again, because it was different. Like, everyone had... X gen whatever or like a, a, iPod Touch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I just got anyway. I got the useless one. I hate. I ended up hating it. Yeah. But yeah, I have felt that with gadgets, I don't wanna. I wanna play the status game to a certain extent, but I don't wanna fully buy into it. Okay. And that's why I only got into iPhone last yeah. year. So yeah. congratulate me, guys. I finally no, went team because iPhone. again, I I don't know why there is this complex. I mean, l yeah. let's be real, uh, iPhone owners do have this certain personality. I was marginalized no. as an Android yeah, user. No, yeah, no, exactly. Because there are buyer personas. And yeah. again, these messages sent exactly. to you by, you know, brand product marketing that if you own an Apple, yeah. if you own an iPhone, if you have AirPods, if you have a Galaxy Tab, if you have a Canon DSLR. I felt so left out when you guys are sharing pics on AirDrop. AirDrop. And then I'm just like, guys, can you send me the file on Telegram? Like, yeah, everyone gets yeah, annoyed with yeah, that. exactly. So, I, I I was just really forced to con to conform to that, and I think the the quality of pictures, fine. Explain you know me justifying now why I shifted to iPhone, but I just felt like everyone around me was using an iPhone. I had I mean to, it's a network effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I really enjoy this story so much because. I remember my first idea mm -hmm. that material things could be valuable or that there are more valuable material things even if they were the same thing yeah. um, was at the Hong Kong airport when I was a kid with my mom. Mm -hmm. um, my mom wanted to give my dad a birthday gift or something. And she specifically was, was saying, we should go to the Givenchy to buy your father a wallet because yeah. it's his birthday. And... I, I had no idea what that meant. It was just another story to me. And then that's when I started to realize, oh, it's expensive. And the okay. reason why my mom is buying it is because it's expensive. Yeah. It's my dad's birthday, so it matters. And they're a married couple with, in, with a certain stature of life yeah. um, that merited a gift of that exchange. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was like, oh. It was a milestone marker for them Yeah, and, and for me, so from the very beginning, I think the, that was the first luxury brand I was introduced to was Givenchy, yeah. just because my mom did that for oh, my dad. Yeah. Um, and of course, I, I saw my mom's things before, but I never really saw them as material until I ended up in high school and started to realize that things cost more than others, even though they're practically the same yeah. thing. No, yeah. with me, with like at least with fashion, not so much because then my I mean my mom does buy branded bags every now and then but she was I think and this is where I got it from her that she feels very um 
sawa effect. Like with the same um, bag, she doesn't like the classics or staples. She wants sort of different to colors. Keep changing yeah, it. exactly. To so keep that's changing. where that the consumerism or the materialism comes yeah. in. And also because she keeps changing. She doesn't more. want. She, she she wants more, but she doesn't want it that it's so expensive because she's just gonna end up like throwing yeah. it away or something. Yeah. So I feel like that was my idea of. Um, Yeah, until now even like you've seen me struggle to buy myself nice things because oh, it's I just buy such myself. A, yeah, I learned that from knows you. I buy myself. <laughs> This is gonna be a highlight. I buy myself. Yeah, nice things. I don't expect everybody to buy me nice things, but I am for yourself. Ver- I'm yeah. very generous to myself. When <laughs> Good it comes for you. To, no, I mean when it comes to nice things. It's yeah. only recently that I'm like, okay, let's. How about let's get ourselves a wool sweater instead of just you know nylon, polyester, whatever. Um, and it's 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 nice. Yeah. Like that's what I'm discovering. It's, it's nice. nice. It's and it makes me now treasure that item more. And I think we have to reassess our relationship with our clothing, which. Brings us to the fast fashion sustainability bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'm not gonna lie that there are certain brands that really mark up because yeah. it says it's Apple, it yeah. says it's Celine, it says it's the branding cost. Yeah, of it, it says it's the Dior. Fees. But aside from that, um, we should never have been under the assumption that fashion was cheap. Yeah, clothes That's are true. not cheap. That's true. Fabric is not cheap. It has to. I think now that I, we're getting older, it's just I have to remind ourselves. It has to cost something because if you're not paying for it, someone else is paying for yes. the price of that, and that comes out with unfair labor practices of cut corners. Yeah, for sure. Um, on a lighter note, I think we should think about maybe style icons. If you've ever had any, I think for me, I really like seeing curvy women, like thick women. You know, Megan Thee Stallion. Um, basically any woman. Venus Deluxe. Yeah. <laughs> any woman. I'm a v- Hello, mga misis. Um, if if Venus ever gets to watch this, I am a certified misis, so Totoo. more power to you, po. Totoo, mga misis. Mga misis. Oh. But yeah, like I, I, for example, with drag, right? Like they do the thick um hips, and then the they put a lot like the heavier body, boobs. Yaddy, yaddy. Exactly, and again, I never thought of myself as serving body, but the older I got and the more comfortable I am with my curves. Voluptuous. The more I'm gonna have my tits out, girl. Like I want that, you know. I like a tight dress. I like short skirts. I want to show my legs because yeah. I'm a woman, baby. Yeah, like no, this is true. who I am. That's true, and it and it's great because I mean I know people back home also do it, but mm. of course they're. I mean, so as not to say that you know sexual harassment doesn't exist in Europe. Yeah. It does, but I do think. Um, You know, in fear of being catcalled, yeah. women also ha- have to dress a certain way. For example, back home, yeah. even if they don't want to, exactly. Even if they're assertive enough, like I know some friends, you know, who dress the way they do, and of course they get catcalled and they fight back. But yeah, again, they always say with catcalling and any form of this harassment, it's power. Yeah, it's really power. It's you. Um, insisting your power you're encroaching on someone's personal space yeah. their bodily autonomy and therefore anyone that cat calls you believes they're more powerful than ah. you and they want to they want to do i don't know it's like something with your space and your sense of self like okay. they feel like they're entitled to your to your body okay I see. and and that's why you know now that how do you as a woman or even as a man take control of that bodily autonomy through how you dress okay i, see. I think that's why now for me Because, for for example, some something that I feel I felt super insecure about was I could never wear a crop top before. 
like never because I feel like if there was one part of my body that I was heaviest about it was my stomach, stomach area like I really hated it like, and then the fact now that I can wear a bikini and have a little bit of a, like a belly pooch kind of there I don't give a fuck like again it means I have guts and the all these yeah. parts of my body that make it yes, function exactly, like why am I exactly. going to be ashamed of having yes. hips and friends be kind to your bodies again you're you know it makes you do so many great things every day that you can enjoy one thing another thing that if i could create i used to critique myself about this do you know the concept of hip dips oh no so actually. hip dips are like so I'm not, I'm not gonna strip for you right now but your hips Whoa. are just, <laughs> i can't for the Abangan. views season two only fans <laughs> incoming right if I, if I could like if, you know how when you draw a woman like there's that the bottle shape right so the hips are they go that way but commonly apparently with asian or a certain um i don't know a certain genetic form the hips aren't just like a parenthesis there's It's two. So think oh. of it as letter B. So if you feel here, there's a bone here and then it goes. So my hips aren't like this. Yeah. It's more like yeah. two threes here. So okay. there is the hip dip. Like there's an indentation there. And I felt like it was so awkward because you feel like, you know how like the violin is kind of like, you know, yeah. these curves don't make sense. Yeah. It just feels awkward. And when, when you put your, you your bikini strap, yeah, exactly. It looks like a muffin top or whatever. But I'm built this way. What can I do about it? Yeah. So... I feel like I I hate that I wasted so many years not liking my body because I could have dressed better I could yeah. have had more fun yes. back then yes. if only I had decided I don't give a fuck like yeah. that's that's no, the, I think that's, that's the shame of it I think what's nice also about here is yeah uh, I I think we learn to let go because we start to realize how inf- insignificant yes. we are yeah so you move to another country nobody knows you Nobody knows you. You could literally be in anything and nobody will t- nobody would bat an eyelash yeah. because you know again people have their own problems, they have yeah. their own lives. So you just live your life the way you want to. Wear what you want yeah, to. Yeah, wear like. wear what you want to. I think an important tip yeah. ensure that all your clothes work with anything else that you have mm. so that it isn't a waste. No, w- one thing that was funny when I was teaching back in Ateneo was my uniform as a teacher because it was still warm. Not all of my classrooms had air conditioning at the time. I would wear and I think you saw me in this era of collared and sleeveless shirt. Yeah, you know that. You know what? Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> it was I triggered her, a memory. It was her teacher era. You were where? That was your look when we were in Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, you. exactly. So it like, was. I think it gave responsible. It gave like, and I, the only way I felt like I played around was different colors, different floral patterns. But it was yeah. You literally gave. <laughs> Like faculty, <laughs> it did give faculty, and even I mean, outside sorry, the classroom. Sis, it was really giving manang. Yeah. But... <laughs> so in the Halloween, one Halloween in Ateneo, I had one class that dressed up like the girls dressed up in collared sleeveless shirts or like chambray shirts. Like those were my two uniforms. So they went Halloween as me. And they wore Stan Smiths. Like, they wore white sneakers. That is yeah, my dream like, blunt rotation. Like, no, that's my nightmare blunt rotation. <laughs> me in that me in All that like, outfit. 20 people that dressed the same thing <laughs> as you at that time. <laughs> no, they did. They That was so memorable. I have a photo of that somewhere. But, yeah, they dressed up. They were like, oh, mom, not. This is, we know your uniform. And just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I... I No, no further comment yeah, okay. on that, on that no, no, era. No, no comment yeah. anymore. Ultimately, I think we've talked a lot about the evolution of our style, how we relate to material things. Do you feel guilty? Yes. Okay, where does this guilt come from? 
I also have this weird relationship that I have to unlearn, which is um, Eurocentric, where Marikina leather shoes is like, eh. Yeah. Um, and oh, that's, that's true. We, and, we have an inherent devaluing. Yes, that's, exactly. And, and, yeah. th- and that's something that I need to unlearn. Like, it's artisanal. There is that, craft. It's still, exactly. it's still artisanal. It, it is craft. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier, how we determine perceived value. So the pricing. Yeah. No, I, 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 I have never really even explored Filipino couture or anything. That's never crossed my mind. It, everything for me has always been set by Western Eurocentric yes. standards yes. of beauty. Exactly. And then, I mean... Not, I, I don't think there's any defense to that, to be clear. I yeah. think it's really something to unpack and to unlearn. But I do think we also use it as armor because this is where we are. Yeah. The, we're in a space where, well, yeah, in certain societies, not all, but there are certain societies that, you know, you can, you figuratively have access to an expensive restaurant because of the bag that you, or the clothes that you're wearing. Yeah. Or because you smell a certain way, because the perfume is so distinct that, God knows it wasn't mass manufactured. I definitely dress up when we. I have to go to a more expensive store because the whole I don't want to get rejected as an Asian that's just buying and everything. I want to have. I have to. I have to if project you, that I have yeah, taste. If if you want to project that stereotype, then the stereotype you you'd like in Europe is this Asian <laughs> can afford everything exactly. here even if you can't because yeah. they're not gonna take you seriously. Mm-hmm. You and know? in rejecting one stereotype, you're pushing forward the other one that I can afford things, whatever. So, oh, like it's it's tough uh, being yes. stuck in all exactly of these exactly. Things. So I I I do feel guilty. Like I I do hope one day I can just be like. You know, I don't really care if that t-shirt from Manila is X amount. I like it. It's worth it. I'll yeah. buy it. It's a different thing when it comes to, let's say, furniture. Like, for example, mm-hmm. I, I can justify a Kenneth Cobon Pue piece. Yeah. But I think it's because, again, the Eurocentric, because it's approved. Like, you know, it's like the Europeans reviewed it and it was like, it's good. So I'm like, huh, yeah. I'm going to buy it because they said it's good. The I mean, Western canon of fashion. Exactly. Like, I know it sounds like I just listen to what white people say and I do it. But no. It's really this, you know, inherent um, generations worth of colonial mentality that has passed that, that has been passed down to us. Mm-hmm. Like I, I still want an Ames chair. Like mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. if I could afford it, yeah. if I had the money, even if I'm not good at piano, I want a Steinway. I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's also because it's status. The, yeah. These are symbols. Um, what does it mean? Extensions of ourselves yes. in which we can communicate. This is my taste. This, I think that's with me with art, right? Like I've been decorating my flat these days and making these choices of which artist do I buy prints of? Because I can't afford, you know, the of real, course, the, like, real the live, whatever things, right? But um, I've been picking out prints and what I find interesting is it can, I've found things that were very cheap that were in my style and also very expensive. And therefore, how do you determine what, you know, if I feel good or bad about you, it? You, I, I don't think you should because... At the end of the day, these are all signifiers of culture. Yeah. Um, and it's you, again, trying to come across a certain way. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, like acceptance and when to feel guilt about, you know, these like demarcations of status and symbol. The, the only thing I could say is excessive. Like when it's excessive, mm-hmm. you can, when you can afford an Hermes collection and it's excessive or when you can afford a yacht collection or a pasta collection or a dvd collection or even a collection of shein clothes it doesn't even have to be expensive in terms of perceived value or in terms of declared value because it's it's hoarding yes the excess when when we're in a world wherein resources are limited i feel like it's just it feels so immoral 
to collect and have a lot of these things. I mean, yes. my mom would always tell me that may nagugutom, you know. Yeah. There are people who have so little and then why are we being picky about yeah. these things? Or for example, I always think this bag or this thing can buy me a vacation. And I am a more a travel person and eating person rather than yes. an, an item. And that's why I, I would feel bad about it. I laugh because tangential to this, I'm the opposite. Yeah. So when that says, oh, we're gonna eat at a Michelin restaurant. It's gonna cost 300 euros each. It's a, t- it's a tasting menu. In my brain, it's like, I add 200. <laughs> those are a pair of shoes yeah. from Celine. Yeah. I, I, I add 1,000. We think the opposite. We think like yeah. you you convert it to yeah. a material item. Me, I convert yeah. it always. This could have been to a vacation. This could have been an experience. And that's no, why. No, because for me, I would say I'm materialistic in that regard, but... I believe that my experiences are shaped by the, the garment. Material as well. And by the garment. It's more tied to um, you. And I don't, again, on the topic of people not repeating outfits, I'm 100% full on an outfit repeater. Again, I like the fact that it's a uniform. I like the fact that I can be seen 100 meters away and be like, that's him because that's how he dresses like. Um, I don't mind repeating outfits and I don't mind repeating outfits because there are so many memories attached to mm. every particular garment. For example, um, yung Bottega na boots ko. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a very funny story because th- those Bottega boots, parate akong tiis ganda when I'm in France, mm. when I'm in Paris. So get this, mga kaibigan. Um, it's not like I can afford the private jet. So I will wear these Bottega boots. To the fr- airport. From the flat yeah. to the airport. I remove them. I walk through security in God. them. I get on the flight in them. I get out. I arrive in Paris. I take the train. I'm using them. Yeah. I, I basically use them. And they're a pain on my... like They're a pain in the ass. They're a pain in my feet. Um, but I do it as this ganda because there are so many memories attached to it. So, so this is interesting because you talk about your experience of suffering for these items. Again, it's for me, I would suffer for food and travel. Like, I will, yeah. you hate these inconveniences. I hate inconveniences. I will, I will wait three hours outside of a restaurant if it means getting a table for the evening. Like, I will do that. I will reserve three months in advance if I can get a table at this restaurant just because I need I need it. Like, and, and for you, I can't imagine wearing the boots. I would never do that. But The temperamental brattiness, yeah. wink, wink, yeah. uh, comes out, no? Um, of course, now that I've grown older and I'm, uh, I've learned a lot, I clearly know that, you know, nothing should be given to me on a silver platter and that I don't deserve the world. But I think that relationship I have with waiting, I can't wait. You know that. I can't okay. wait. No. I'm very impatient. If you make me wait more than 10 minutes, it doesn't mean I don't deserve the service. It means you don't deserve my money <laughs> because you didn't serve me yeah. quicker than you should have. Like, I'm, I don't care if Gordon Ramsay is the head chef tonight. Like, yeah. if I wait more than 10 minutes, it probably means I wasn't important enough to be there. Yeah. And honestly, again, something to unpack. But, you know, I acknowledge that I am bratty to a certain extent. But, you know, we go day by day. Wala pa naman ako 30 years old. Charot! I'm only 27. Okay, okay. Again, I do think I hit a difference in, in my relationship with items. I feel like... um. 
I became more materialistic in a good way, in a sense that yeah, I understand. Before the you used more. to be a quantity game. That was like there's a sale. I'm buying yeah. ten. Yeah, exactly. That was the difference between the two of us in Barcelona. That would be like there's a sale. I'm buying five items of the same color of the same style. Because it's so Because it's, it's cheap. It was. It made sense. It made a quantitative sense. I guess this is a Chinese in me, yes. right? Like this is very Chinese in our in our family. That what can how can we get the most value out of this thing we're paying for and then value we define it in a different way in a quantitative way not the emotional yes. feeling yeah because with me it was always if I had an order it was one piece and it would arrive and I would wear it and it would be done there were no returns there yeah. was no thinking no I need to buy things on sale I cannot even until today I yeah. cannot buy an item that isn't on sale okay. I will wait for it on sale because what do you mean it's gonna go down in value at the end of the season? Yeah. And then I'll wait for the end of the season. Why should I pay full price right now? Yeah. So I'm willing Half to price. give. Yeah, <laughs> I'm willing to give up things just so that you know I get it a little cheaper down the line. Like yeah. that's how I shop. I don't think there's anything that I need right away, and okay. I could wait. So, um, yeah, I think that's for me my takeaways yeah. is just understanding how different our relationship would. Mat- with more of our material things. But you have to keep it in check all the time. Yeah. Always have a conversation with yourself or with your peers about it. Because yun nga eh. I mean, um, th- this is why word of mo- mouth is also important when it comes to marketing, when it comes to sales, and when it comes to, you know, buying items. Like, what's the coolest new Ghani look, you know? Yeah. Um, and you talk to your friends and thankfully, the internet has democratized that through TikTok and, you know, all this video content coming out saying, Oh, don't buy this because the cloth is cheap. Or don't buy this because they it, they weren't so meticulous in making this garment. Or mm-hmm. don't buy this because there were supply chain issues. Yeah. So the whole de-influencing yes. trend now. No, yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. Like think think about it. Do your research. I think. Um, be more intentional yes, about yeah. what you buy. It's the least we ought to do is to be conscious consumers. Yeah. Yeah. I I think ultimately we are part, we are forced participants of this capitalist system. And yeah, we can do. I mean, we can do something. About it, um, I'm not saying we're both not saying it's gonna change the world, but we we can in our own little we way. We could be better consumers. We could be better yeah. consumers. Again, it's it's one thing to hoard and to um, just keep throwing away these items, and that's what I've learned more in the recent years is to stop. I, okay, guys, I have not bought something from Shein for the last six months. Like, deserve. <laughs> I learned my lesson, like, I just, because I had a top that fell apart. I learned my lesson. Again, I told you, something is going to suffer. Something is going to suffer. If the price of the item is cheaper, the labor cost was cheaper, and the quality went down. Yeah. Um, But again, this isn't to say that if your item is expensive, that labor was good. No, 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 no. Some luxury brands even uh, manufacture in China. Um, Turkey is the latest hotspot for luxury brands Mm -hmm. because labor is cheaper there. But anyway, uh, again, this has been Regis and Nathania. Yeah, you're material girls. Yeah, you're material girls. Thank you for listening to us. I mean, us reflecting on our items. In our experience, as we say. And we'll see you at the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Ciao. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the NR Experience. Let us know what you think on our Instagram account at nr.experience. This has been Nathaniel Regis and we'll see you next time.